Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Oil that runs smart. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Well, help, and thanks for tuning in to AOA today. Appreciate you making us a part of your day and work to cover a lot of ground on this show. We're going to talk with Darren Newsom about the ongoing concerns in the broader market and how those concerns are indeed filtering down into the commodity world. Then in segment two, we're going to check in with our friend John Baranek of DTN Weather, get an update on what to expect this weekend. Spoiler alert might be a little less active. We'll have John give us the details in a bit. And in segment three, we're going to talk with Steve Mercer of the U.S. Wheat Associates. We saw some headlines come out of Eastern Europe with that grain corridor deal between Russia and Ukraine. Steve will give us the details on what we know there. Before segment four, Dennis Smith of Archer Financial Service will help us break down Friday's cattle on feed report. But Let's turn to the outside markets first. We continue to see investors concerned about the health of banks, not just in the United States, but around the world. And that's changing the way money moves. Darren Newsom, senior analyst with Bar Chart, has been tracking this. And Darren, what is happening here this week in the commodity sector as a result of all of these banking uh, crises? Yeah, good morning, Mike. The first thing that I saw when, you know, getting, you know, everything fired up this morning was we were just continued investor selling in a, in a wide v- variety of, of commodities. And it starts, you know, in the grains and oil seeds. We're certainly seeing it in corn. We're seeing it in soybeans. But, you know, we saw it in crude oil overnight as well. And the one that's kind of the outlier is, is gold. This has continued to be a, a safe haven market. It rallied 40-some dollars overnight despite being sharply overbought already. And, and this is the point of thing, you know, you can look at all the technical charts, you can look at this and the indicators and so on. But when you get into a situation like this, where the dynamics of the markets have changed, you can throw most of the technicals out. Yeah, gold is overbought, but money is going to flow where it's safe. And it's not in the dollar right now because the dollar took a big hit uh, as well overnight. So, you know, we're continuing to see this flow of money out of some commodities, still seeing large non-commercial long liquidation in corn, crude oil, other markets, soybeans. And it's moving over into the safe haven like gold, and they're kind of bailing out of the dollar as well. So a lot of activity. And to me, it, it, it does seem to still be tied to this concern, this global concern over the banking industries. Darren, you touched on how uh, maybe stochastics matter less when markets get volatile. And we have seen the wheat market be consistently oversold for several months as we've taken that Ukraine-Russia war premium out. And we're still dropping today. What's happening here in the wheat market? Yeah, the wheat is interesting. And as I po- as, as I talked about in, in my morning commentary this morning, it seems like investment traders are more comfortable being short wheat than they are being long banks. They continue to sell. The latest commitment to traders report, uh, and this was for Tuesday, they're trying to catch up for Tuesday, uh, March 7th, showed they increased their net short position in Chicago and software winner software when we down to 73,300 contracts. This is the largest net short position since I believe something like January, you know, late January 2018. They just continue to sell that market. Now, 
How much of this has to do, uh, as you mentioned, with uh, with Ukraine and the Black Sea and all this? And I know you'll have other folks on to talk about this. Uh, to me, it's not it shouldn't be a huge issue. Uh, but it looks like it is weighing on the market. There's no denying what we're seeing in here. Uh, so it looks like it's weighing on the market. And again, it's just adding some fuel to the to the investment fire saying, look, we can short this market and be comfortable at least for the time being. Darren, oh, we're seeing it's red all the way down on the grains on the screen today. I don't see anything trading to the positive, at least here in the nearbys. Given that this case, and we don't have much fundamental news happening right now, Brazilian harvest proceeding, of course, could be weakness in beans. What What's driving this flow here and this weakness in the commodities? Yeah, that, you raise a great point, Mike, and it's something we really need to drive home here. Fundamentally, corn, soybeans, both red winter wheat markets, uh, red markets of hard red winter and hard red spring, they're both bullish. Uh, they're all bullish. All those markets are fundamentally bullish, but we continue to see this massive liquidation. So we've got investment traders on the run. We look at the we, you know May, July uh, corn spreads closed last Friday at 16 and a half cent inverse. That's just an incredible, that's just an incredible spread. Uh, it tells us that merchandisers are worried. We see basis strengthening almost every day. Similar situation in soybeans. So we know the commercial side of the market is worried about finding supplies here in the spring and early summer here in the U.S. to meet demand. We still have exports going on. We, you know, we'll get the latest export inspections numbers here later on Monday morning. So we know we're still exporting. We know we're still selling from the business that we've seen the last few weeks. So all of that's still bullish. It's just investors don't want to play. They're nervous about other aspects of the market. They're going somewhere safe. They know they've already played the corn soybean markets. They can get back in and at the drop of a hat if they want to. So for now, they're going to continue to sell. They're going to continue to put pressure despite the fact supply and demand fundamentals are still bullish. So we're watching for that attitude shift amongst investors. And Darren, we've seen the Federal Reserve take some historic actions over the past 10 days. Are, are they working? Are we seeing the market grow more confident here in the, the future of the banking system? You know, late last week, I would have argued, I would have said they, they might have been. Uh, but as we come out of the weekend, I, I don't see it. Yes, we've got a little bit of a rally in the U.S. stock markets. I don't know that that's that that might be showing a bit of support for the U.S. banking system, for the global banking system. But some of the global markets were lower. I mean, we saw we saw uh, the Europe, excuse me, the Asian markets lower overnight. We saw European markets mostly lower overnight. So, you know, I, I think there is still some concern. And as we come out of another weekend, it looks like that concern hasn't gone away completely. You know, we saw a large Swiss bank buying up Credit Suisse uh, for a little over three billion dollars reportedly. I don't know how good of a deal that is, if it stabilizes anything. Certainly doesn't look like it might long term, possibly short term. All right, Darren, all of this in play for growers who are looking at maybe needing to make some sales here in the short run. Do you have any advice for managing through this volatility created in the outside markets? Yeah, number, the number one thing that I want to do is I want to see these I want to see these long term downtrends that we've been in since last, you know, since last April and May. I want to see them go ahead and play out, finish out. So if I'm, if I'm sitting there having to sell something, I want to sit back a little bit. Let's see if the old crop market bottoms out here. You know, we saw May get down you know, 605, 606 a week or a couple of weeks ago. Let's see if we can stabilize in the 610, 620 area and then start to work higher. New crop dece, uh, it might break that uh, that five and a half, could get down to close to 540. And then at that point, we could start to see some long-term changes. And that's when we can start to, uh, that's, when our, that's when our strategies can become a little bit more flexible. 
you know, if we need to add some options uh, to some what we've already sold, or if we just want to sit back and wait for some sort of, you know, spring planting rally or something like that, that should give us an opportunity. But the first thing we really need to do is see those long-term trends on monthly charts start to play out, start to finish off and start to turn, uh, turn, turn the corner heading up. Hopefully those investors feel more confident in the broader market. They'll turn their focus back to the commodities and rediscover those bullish stories developing in our markets. Folks, we have been talking today with Darren Newsom. He's the senior analyst there at Bar Chart Runs, DarrenNewsom.com. And Darren, as always, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me on again, Mike. And folks, stay with us. When AOA returns, we'll talk with John Baranek of DTN Weather about what to expect from the skies as this week goes on. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Oil that runs smart. What a great organization, helping families in need like ours. It's a godsend. When an unexpected crisis strikes, Farm Rescue is here to help. Assistance is available free of charge to farm families experiencing a major injury, illness, or natural disaster. Our volunteers and equipment are ready to spring into action with planting, haying, and harvest support. If you or someone you know could use a helping hand, visit farmrescue.org today. Welcome to the 2023 Corn Sprint. Corn is in the blocks and ready to run. Biopath and Power Coat plants with a strong start to take the lead. Fueled by Mosaic Biological Fertilizer Complements for maximum performance and better nutrient uptake. We're seeing a strong return on fertilizer investment in this sprint. Biopath and Power Coat corn just continue to grow ahead. Improve your corn's nutrient use with Mosaic Biologicals. For corn that stays on track in the sprint, start training at cornsprint.com. There are a ton of social networking websites, but one stands apart for a very special reason. This one saves lives. It's MatchingDonors.com. MatchingDonors.com links organ donors with people in need of kidney and other transplants. In the U.S., 22 people die each day waiting for an organ transplant, most of them for kidneys. If you've ever considered becoming a living organ donor, or if you're someone in need of an organ transplant, visit MatchingDonors.com, home of the greatest gift of all, the gift of life. MatchingDonors.com. When it comes to making plans, you are the best. What about those round trips, which are perfect on your way there and perfect on your way back? Or those meetings with friends, surprise parties, camps, birthdays. The same way you plan for the important moments, start planning to protect you and your loved ones from a natural disaster. Sign up for local weather and emergency alerts. Prepare an emergency kit and make a family communications plan. Get started at ready.gov plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. 
Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Fueled by innovation, powered to perform. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It might not have felt been over the weekend for a lot of places across this country, but today is the first day of spring. Joining us for an outlook and look ahead to the weather over this week in both the U.S. and in South America. We're speaking with John Baranek of DTN Weather this morning. And John, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's good to be back with you, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Well, it is the first week of spring here as we get started. John, is it going to settle down, this active weather pattern that we've been in for the past several weeks? Uh, and a short answer, no. So we've got um, you know quite uh, an active pattern just continuing. It just seems like it has not quit. Uh, we've had it, we've been talking about it for months now, but um, we got yet another week of some active weather. So um, you know, you mentioned it got pretty chilly there um, for a lot of folks far south over the weekend. Um, it's going to warm up here over the next couple of days, but we've got this cold front that's kind of sitting from Nebraska into into uh, Wisconsin. North of that, with some pretty chilly Canadian air, and that's going to be kind of just drifting its way southward through the week, being pushed south by several storm systems moving through. We've got kind of a string of them um, that, that'll be moving through. We got the first one uh, right now out in the kind of the southwestern states, Great Basin area, and uh, that one will be kind of pushing across the northern states, and then uh, subsequent ones will just keep pushing it south throughout the rest of the week. All right, John. So with this cold front, that Nebraska-Wisconsin cold front that's going to push south, how cold is that going to be, and how far south are those below normal temperatures going to extend? Yeah, luckily, it's this one isn't as cold as we saw over the last weekend. So, I mean, we saw some temperatures, you know, 10, 15 degrees below zero up in the Dakotas. Uh, there might have been a couple of spots even colder than that. Um, and, you know, we got freezing temperatures all the way down to the Gulf Coast um, this morning. So I don't think we're going to be dealing with that kind of cold uh, coming up, but, you know, still below normal for this time of year. And, you know, kind of got to put that in perspective because each day now gets warmer on average. So um, and, and kind of significantly, like where I'm at here in, in Minneapolis, our normal high is about 44, 45 degrees. Um, but by the time we get to April, it's 50 and it keeps going up from there. And, you know, just got to kind of translate that to your part of the country. But, you know, we're, we're doing that. We're, we're, we're getting uh, warmer and warmer. So even if if temperatures are getting kind of below uh, normal for a stretch, um, overall, you know, the temperatures themselves aren't shouldn't be too bad when we're kind of take that all into effect. All right. Spring is still happening, even if it doesn't feel like it day in and day out with these cold snaps, John. So let's let's circle back to these precipitation events that are developing this week. You mentioned that system right now over the Great Basin. I pulled up the radar. It looks like we've got a couple of different paths of moisture for for weather to come in here to the Mountain West. Are they anticipating much for snow totals? Uh, yeah, they are, actually. Um, they've got all sorts of of. Um, uh, winter weather or winter storm warnings and advisories up for all the mountains out there, um, basically from California all the way through the Rockies. So uh, there, there's snow pretty much every day this week 
um, out there. So uh, they'll they'll be adding to their snowpack. And, and a lot of these areas here outside of kind of a, a few spots kind of in the northern Rockies are, are well above normal for snowpack, um, not just for this time of year, but for the season total. And, um, you know, that's we've, we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, too, that that's going to be a good sign for um, eliminating the drought and getting stream flows up uh, for those western states here going forward. Absolutely, John. And I've seen a number of headlines again on the Lake Powell, Lake Mead issues along the Colorado River. How long in a given year until this mountain snowmelt starts to potentially recharge some of those downstream reservoirs? Is that a process that takes a year or more? You know, that's a great question. Um, and I don't have a great answer for you. Um, I know it takes time because, it, I mean, even if you just melt it all, all off in a day, that, that would be a bad thing. Um, and, you know, it just... The, the mountains are so high there that it, it takes time for the, the average temperature to really melt off some of that higher snowpack. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not, a, it's not a, it's not a quick and easy thing to do. Um, and if you're along some of those rivers, it, it, it does, you know, you, you'll notice it's, it's taken a while here, even though you've gotten pounded with a bunch of precipitation over the winter time. Um, but yeah, I would, I would think it would take at least through summer to kind of get back to kind of, kind of normal, if, if we can call it normal, but, you know, as we've been mentioning, I mean, they, they've been in such deep drought over the last several years that, you know, um, even above normal uh, runoff from snowmelt and everything like that uh, might not be enough to get rivers exactly up to normal, but at least it'll be uh, away from kind of drastic and, and dramatic low river levels there. Right. I've got to imagine folks out West will be happy to see streams moving up at least and stop moving down for a while. John, so after we see this system move through the Mountain West, dump its piles of snow in the higher elevations of the Rockies, I imagine it's going to push its way into the Midwest and the Corn Belt. So when and where is going to come down with it? Yeah, you got that right. So we're going to see a couple of waves of precipitation with that. Um, one is starts tomorrow, really. Uh, and uh, we'll kind of see it in kind of a couple pieces, really. We'll get kind of snow or a mix of rain and snow across the Dakotas into Minnesota uh, with, with part of that. But we'll also see some, uh, some good moisture return coming into the plains. And um, unfortunately, it'll be the eastern half of the plains. So basically, east of I-35, yet again, like we've been seeing during this active stretch, kind of start to see those showers and, and a few thunderstorms possibly uh, perking up tomorrow. But then we get another wave coming out of the Rockies for Wednesday into Thursday and yet another one for Thursday into Friday. Each one of those just a little bit farther south than the previous one. Any major rain totals expected or flooding risks, John, in, the, in that forecast? You know, where these overlap the most is around the Ohio Valley, um, which is, you know, not surprising. We've <laughs> we've seen that quite a bit uh, over the course of the wintertime as well. Um, and the, this last one kind of in the series that comes through kind of Thursday, Friday into the plains and really goes uh, probably takes until Saturday, Saturday night to get off the East Coast. Um, that one there will have uh, the, the heaviest precipitation with it. It kind of looks like it's from eastern Oklahoma through the Ohio Valley uh, as, as where that overlaps the most uh, with all these storm systems. All right, John. Well, I know we've got a lot of folks who are getting around in their shops. They're getting things tuned up. They're ready to get into the field. That warm spate of weather we had about a month ago really got folks fired up. Ooh, does it look like this active weather pattern is going to come to an end over the next couple of weeks? It really doesn't. Um, and that's kind of unfortunate. I know a lot of people want to get going and get moving, but uh, there's a lot of areas where this this wet weather is just kind of slowing things down and keeping fields real muddy, uh, especially if you're along or in east of the Mississippi River. So 
Uh, unfortunately, we still see this active pattern playing out next week and going into April as well. Um, there is some uh, signal that the, the storm track will be kind of depressed to the south, at least in the first half of April too, which again means that, you know, the southern areas that really want to get going uh, might find it even, even more difficult. And so, um, yeah, it, it's... You know, this is one thing that I've been kind of worried about over the winter time is that we might, you know, have some delays to, to planting uh, over the south. It looks like it might be a little wet uh, over the north. It looks like it's going to be a little cold and we still have all that snow to deal with uh, from the winter time across the Dakotas into Wisconsin. So, uh, yeah, that's a lot of stuff going on. A lot of deep snow depth totals up there in the northern parts of the Dakotas. Uh, no doubt we'll see how that plays out this spring. John, I want to turn our focus down to South America because a lot of that safrina crop, that second crop corn is being planted in Brazil. How does the weather look for those growers down there in South America? Yeah, and in central uh, Brazil where it has um, um, been planted, or they're the, the largest um, uh, area of planting for safrina corn, kind of got off to a slow start but was able to catch up. The southern areas of the of Brazil didn't, and so they were well behind. This week, we're we're going to see some changes to their wet season. So we for the next couple of days, it's going to be kind of status quo, where we're going to see plenty of of rain showers moving through. Uh, but as we get towards the end of the week, what we're seeing is kind of a lot of these wet season rains drift off to the northwest, and uh, we're going to see some drier pockets uh, poking up. So I mean, that's good for those yet to plant their safrina corn. And they've got plenty of soil moisture for early growth. But usually we want to see these wet season rains continue all the way through April and into early May um, to, to have a, a good corn crop. And, you know, with, with a lot of this crop being planted either, you know, on the late side of normal or, or, or actually late, um, this reduction in, in uh, rains here could be concerning if it lasts into April. And, um, you know, the only thing that would really stop it would be some pretty good storm systems moving up from Argentina into Brazil and, and that kind of dumping rain anyway. Uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. But, you know, if, if these wet season rains really do start going away here uh, at the end of this week and, you know, in, in, into April, we could be concerned about uh, the actual production numbers coming out of Brazil there. All right, folks, keep an eye on those headlines out of Brazil. They are expected to plant a larger than normal safrina crop because they planted more beans than average. But if that weather turns, it could get the market's attention. We've been talking today with John Baranek of DTN Weather. And John, thanks so much for joining us today. Now always good to talk with you, Mike. Thanks. Folks, stick around when AOA returns. We're going to talk with Steve Mercer of the U.S. Wheat Associates about some of the global changes that are happening in that industry, not least of which are the Russia-U.S. or U.N. grain corridor. Stay with us for more from AOA. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Oil that runs smart. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting.
As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. Let's take a look at this market trade as we start off the week. We're still in a bit of uneasiness over the bank solvency issues and this week's Federal Reserve meeting worrying traders through the overnight. And that spilled over a little bit here into this morning as we have a general risk off kind of feel across the markets. The Dow Jones is rallying, though, up 300 points. NASDAQ is down 65, S&P up 17 at last check. Crude oil is uh, under some pressure, down $1.15 a barrel, 65.59. As we've seen, crude hit 15-month lows in the overnight trade, near $64 a barrel. Now, looking at the Ukraine-Russia grain deal, that has been extended officially another 120 days. Despite the objections of Russia, that should ease some concerns of grain traders, although most anticipated that grain would continue to flow. We're watching to see if there are more corn sales to China this week. We saw big corn sales last week, nothing on the Daily Wire on Monday morning, but we will continue to see if there are more purchases as it appears China deems that U.S. corn is cheap enough to buy. We are seeing, again, mostly lower activity here with the general risk-off tone in the grains, corn, beans down, anywhere from about 3 to $0.08 cents with the wheat markets under some double-digit pressure to the downside. Meantime, cattle futures, after initially trading a little bit higher, have settled back near unchanged in our trade on Monday, reacting to Friday's cattle on feed report that came in pretty much in line with the pre-report estimates, and it appears now we've traded those numbers. Now we're settling back a little bit. Hog market under some moderate pressure to the downside could be continued technical trading with stops being hit there. That hog market, we're going to have to watch and see how that trades throughout the rest of the day. Overall, though, generally risk-off tone in grains and livestock on Monday. This is AOA. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. Hey, Dad. Your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad. Your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Fueled by innovation, powered to perform. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. 
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AOA for today. We cover a lot of commodities here on this program, and one commodity that has found its way to more places around the globe in this past year is the wheat market. We saw headlines move into that market after Russia invaded Ukraine, and prices really have been on a roll ever since. Well, we've got some news in that sector as that Russian-Ukraine grain corridor, that export approval corridor, sounds like it has been approved. Joining us now for an update on that, plus the other global stories of the U.S. wheat industry, is Steve Mercer. He serves as Vice President of Communication for U.S. Wheat Associates. And Steve, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you, Mike. My pleasure. Let's start with this Russia-Ukraine grain export corridor. Steve, what do we know so far about the deal, and is it confirmed that it has been uh, continued? Yes, it appears to have been continued, uh, but only for 60 days uh, is the news. Uh, the typical period had been 120 days prior to this. Uh, you know, uh, I, we just look at this and uh, it just frustrates us at U.S. Wheat Associates because uh, this is, frankly, President Putin holding uh food trade over the head of the world. Uh, I, I, we just can't say enough bad things about that situation. I mean, clearly the conflict um, has created huge volatility in the market, and that's not good for anybody. It's not good for farmers. It's not good for our overseas customers. and not good for our domestic customers because the price, the price would be fairly high because of supply issues, but the price is artificially high. And every time Putin opens his mouth, the market bounces up or down. And so uh, this situation right now, the deal is, okay, we're only going to, Russia says, we're only going to uh, let this deal go for 60 days. Uh, frankly, most buyers overseas buy two and three months out anyway. So uh, that's not uh, up to international standards, but uh, really he's doing it because he's trying to get the sanctions lifted on Russia. He claimed that uh, the, the wheat has not moved to places where it's needed. Meanwhile, Russia has been exporting uh, exponentially more to those countries and other places uh, uh, anyway. So it's a frustrating situation for everyone. No, it certainly is. So we'll see if the Ukrainians can get their 120-day deal out from under the Russians here, uh, Steve. But I'm curious, from U.S. Wheat Associates' perspectives, are we anticipating much wheat acreage from Ukraine here this year? Is, is this corridor as important to the market as it would have been in 2022? Well, that's a, that's a good question. I think you have to look at the news that's coming out of there. Uh, Their uh, agricultural ministry says that basically production uh, planted area and production will be lower because they weren't able to plant as much wheat last fall. Uh, and who knows if they can harvest it well. I mean, much of the area that's currently occupied by Russian forces, of course, are wheat production areas. So the forecast is, I believe, about 10 million metric tons uh, of wheat potential export in the coming market year uh, compared to uh, Ukraine was exporting about 18 or almost 20. So uh, okay. it's a big, big drop. 
big drop, certainly to be expected as as bombs are, are being detonated in those wheat fields. It's tough to come up with trend line okay. yield in that scenario. So we'll okay. watch this ongoing grain corridor discussion, whether it's 60 or 120 days. No doubt the market will have time to talk about that. But Steve, while we've got you here, there's another wheat story percolating that that's got me intrigued. And it's coming out of South America. And this is the mm. HB4 drought resistant variety of wheat that's been developed by BioSeries. Can you tell us a little bit what what does this mean for the wheat industry more broadly yeah well you know this is uh, uh potentially history repeating itself in some ways of course uh more in 2004 area just around then uh the u.s wheat industry uh provided information that there was concern about overseas customers purchasing uh wheat that had at the time a roundup ready trait uh one of the reasons that did not fly was because our organization indicated that if canada did not uh go along with the trait then they would have a potential competitive advantage in some of those countries that had said they don't want they didn't want biotech wheat and i think as a result of that uh really there has never been uh up until this year and late last year, any wheat with uh, GM transgenic traits uh, uh, being commercialized. Now, BioSeries has changed that. They developed uh, a trait that HB4 that you mentioned that is basically taking a drought tolerant gene from sunflower plants, putting it into wheat. And it is apparently very effective, especially in very dry environments. It, it, protects yield, it pushes yield back up close to where it would be normally in very dry environments. And of course, this year, uh, in much of the U.S., uh, Argentina and other places, this is uh, a pretty uh, interesting trait. Now, BioSeries has uh, applied for registration in many countries. They have received that approval uh, in Brazil. Uh, they are BioSeries and Argentina. BioSeries is containing that wheat right now in a closed system. Uh, and so uh, Argentina and Brazil are import and export customers. So uh, we'll see where that goes. But they've also applied for registration and regulatory approval in the United States, Australia, and other wheat producing um, uh, countries, except for Europe, which is a non-biotech uh, kind of region. So. Uh, it's interesting to see FDA has reviewed the trait. They had no comments about its safety, which essentially means uh, they didn't see any safety problems. Uh, USDA is now reviewing the BioSeries trait uh, potentially to approve commercialization in the United States. Now, the debate about what is going to happen in overseas markets uh, if the trade is actually approved and eventually they find a seed partner and they can get that product into commercial uh, production in the United States, what's going to happen with our overseas markets? There are customers, Japan, Taiwan, uh, and Korea and other customers that have said flatly they don't want GM wheat. Now, the, the trade itself, could be very important for our producers and our organization and the National Association of Wheat Growers are very much in favor of 
using whatever technology is available to the farmer, for the benefit of the farmer. On the other hand, we also have principles that suggest that in order to do that, uh, we have to give our customers overseas a choice, GM or non-GM. And the tech provider, BioSeries in this case, would have to get approval in the countries where we export our wheat. So there's a lot of factors here at play. We're just at the beginning of this, uh, but looking forward, it's going to be a very interesting uh, situation for wheat production uh, and a test of the regulatory system and our and our customers' uh, tolerance for a positive trait like drought tolerance. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how those end users react. Steve, are you connected? Do we know if either the Argentinians or the Brazilians have tried to push any uh, export approvals in countries they could ship their wheat to on this HB4? Uh, In terms of export, yes, Argentina uh, is where the production started of this HB4 trade in wheat, uh, and they applied in Brazil. Brazil went through the regulatory process. Their uh, Miller's Association um, did a survey of customers, uh, of Miller's and of bakers and others, uh, consumers in Brazil. They didn't get much pushback. So they said, well, okay, if nobody's concerned, we don't have any problems with registration. So it is actually registered in Brazil now. Uh, And so Argentina can import, uh, export uh, HB4 wheat into Brazil. Uh, and so they were already doing that. They could do it with flour as well. So, so we'll see where that goes. Uh, there isn't enough. Uh, there, there may be enough uh, supply now where there could be potential exports into Brazil. Beyond that, uh, they're looking at Australia, which has uh, it has drought issues from time to time. So uh, they're looking there as well. But right now, it's really just between Argentina and Brazil. All right, folks, keep an eye on this crop technology space. We're continuing to see new developments push these crops to the next level if we can get those buyers to sign off on making those purchases. We'll continue to track this story, HB4, and its spread around the world as BioSeries continues to market it. And we want to thank Steve Mercer of U.S. Wheat Associates for joining us here today. Steve, for folks to keep up on the work that U.S. Wheat Associates is doing on the export side, where can listeners go for more information? Well, there's a couple of places. I would say uswheat.org, uswheat.org, and a second one, which is important because there's information there about the export market development programs we use, and that is agexportscount.com. Please go there, take a look at the news.com, folks, agexportscount.com. That's Steve Mercer from U.S. Wheat Associates. Thanks for joining us, Steve. And folks, stay with us. We'll dive into Friday's Cattle on Feed report with Dennis Smith of Archer Financial Services when we return. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Fueled by innovation, powered to perform. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block, 
maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Welcome to the 2023 Corn Sprint. Corn is in the blocks and ready to run. Biopath and Power Coat plants with a strong start to take the lead. Fueled by Mosaic Biological Fertilizer Complements for maximum performance and better nutrient uptake. We're seeing a strong return on fertilizer investment in this sprint. Biopath and Power Coat corn just continue to grow ahead. Improve your corn's nutrient use with Mosaic Biologicals. For corn that stays on track in the sprint, start training at cornsprint.com. Tune in the first Wednesday of every month to listen to the monthly grind here on AOA. It's brought to you by our friends at the National Corn Growers Association, and each month we're going to dig into one specific aspect of corn demand. What happens to this grain after it leaves your operations and enters the global supply chain? That's what we're going to talk about each month on the monthly grind. Again, that's the first Wednesday of every month, and you can also find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. It's a show you don't want to miss. Did you know that pork is the world's most consumed meat? Pork comprises over one-third of all meat consumed. Pigs were domesticated over 9,000 years ago in 7,000 BC, and there are more than 180 species of pigs. Why pork? Well, it's not just because everybody loves bacon. Historically speaking, pork is a very easy meat to preserve via smoking, curing, or salting. Not only could it keep well before refrigeration, but it also tastes great under various preservation tactics and adaptable to a variety of flavors, spices, and dishes across different cultures and regions. There are twice as many pigs as there are people in Denmark. Did you also know that China is the world's lead pork producer? In 2020, they produced an impressive 41.13 million metric tons of the meat, which equates to almost 91 billion pounds. So the next time you dive into that plate of bacon, know that pork is the world's most consumed meat. These farm facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, 
and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran. Call 800-209-6416 for 24-hour response. Call 800-209-6416. 800-209-6416. That's 800-209-6416. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Oil that runs smart. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AOA. On Friday afternoon, the market got some updated information on the cattle complex. Cattle on feed for March was reported on Friday, and the headlines, to my eyes, looked rather bullish. The market, however, today, live cattle and feeder cattle down to mixed. Joining us to help break down the numbers from Friday is Dennis Smith of Archer Financial Services. And Dennis, the numbers must not have been as bullish as they first looked in the headlines, were they, on Friday's cattle on feed? Well, they are bullish. The market just not reacting, so to speak. You know, placements were at 93% during February. Uh, that is a bullish number. Marketing's at 95%, and uh, that left us with 96% cattle on feed. Uh, Mike, the uh, placements were down sharply in the northern areas. Uh, for example, in Iowa, placements were only 91% of a year ago in February, and placements in Nebraska were only 88% of a year ago, and uh, that's due to the harsh uh, feedlot conditions that uh, those northern guys were experiencing. With the cattle herd fully exposed to, to winter weather in Nebraska and Iowa, also the marketings in the north were very active. Uh, they were closer to 100%. In other words, just get the cattle uh, out to get them uh, sold get them shipped and cut the feed bill because the cost of gain is outrageous and the cattle are stressed and never going to recover. So it is a bullish report and uh, while not reflected that way in the futures action so far today, but we're not done trading. We are not done trading, that's for sure. Dennis, as I think about the, the numbers from this report, you mentioned placements were down 7% month over month. Marketing's only down 5%. That, to me, sounds like a recipe for currentness in feedlots across the country. Are we still seeing carcass weights move down? Yeah, carcass weights are now, uh, your average dress steer weight is uh, below uh, 900 pounds. And, Mike, we're running anywhere from 18 to 20 pounds below a year ago. We expect weights to continue to grind lower into the May time frame. Maybe uh, as low as, or maybe they grind lower as long as into the late May time frame before bottoming out well below a year ago. So you do have a combination of uh, fewer cattle numbers and lower dressed weights. 
uh, pretty bullish uh, uh, expectations, in my opinion, from a supply standpoint. Well, that is so true, Dennis. And we've been talking about the bullish setup in the supply standpoint for, oh boy, goodness, uh, two years now almost in the cattle trade. It's intensified recently. But the other flip side is demand. We've got to have those consumers still able to buy our product. What have we seen from the uh, the box beef values recently? Are they holding up there? They are holding up. We're still above 280 in the uh, choice beef cutout. Uh, we've seen... Uh, uh, Almost all of the beef cuts, Mike, uh, record high price levels uh, during the, this time of year, so say for the month of March. Demand has never been better for, for U.S. beef, and uh, as uh, supplies tighten up, you have to look for higher prices. In my opinion, wholesale beef, the choice beef, goes to $300 uh, this spring and uh, eventually trades higher than that uh, Long term, we will price the beef out of the consumer budget, but in my opinion, we're a long way from doing that. All right, Dennis, if we're a long way from pricing beef out of the consumer budget and we're dealing with a supply constraint here on the, the live animal side, that's a pretty bullish recipe for prices. If I'm looking at an empty pen right now and I want to step in, load up on feeder cattle, how would you advise I manage some of that risk that's out in this market with these high dollar feeders at the sale barns? We're using options, and typically we're out into the May contract and August and doing some uh, three-way uh, risk reversals where a guy will see uh, uh, those uh, option strategies appreciate if feeder prices continue to go higher, and that'll help uh, insulate or, or some of the uh, rising uh, replacement costs that no doubt uh, the, the cattle feeders will, will be forced to absorb here moving forward. Dennis, one of the other things we've been watching recently in the protein markets more broadly is the volatile nature of that lean hog contract. Are we running into price competition from the pork market here in beef? Well, we, we've seen the uh, what they call, I guess, the beef-pork uh, ratio. Uh, beef is very expensive relative to pork. Uh, I cannot explain the situation currently where beef demand is outstanding and pork demand is very poor. Mike, I can't explain it, so I'm not going to try. I'm certainly not going to make something up. Uh, we've seen some problems recently with the hams going to Mexico, partly explained by the Lenten season. Pork demand and meat demand is never good uh, during just before Easter, and boy, that appears to be uh, the holding true this year, especially the ham market going to Mexico. Uh, so we've seen a lot of volatility in the hog market, uh, but again, uh, long-term outlook for, for pork is not bearish. So uh, basically, we should uh, see total meat prices, all meat prices moving higher in the months ahead. All right. Watch for that at the retail counter. Dennis, if we've got some folks who are looking to get some hedges on those summer cattle, June down to 156-ish today, do you have any price levels you'd be comfortable putting some hedges on summer cattle? No, it's not. Uh, I'm absolutely discouraged by the discount to, to cash. April, June, August, October, live cattle futures are trading under the cash market. 
So we are not hedging right now. What we plan on doing is on price rallies, we plan on establishing put spreads using the August options that will provide a measure of protection. And the only measure I see is, uh, is some sort of a huge financial meltdown. That's about the only thing, in my opinion, that can kill this cattle market. So that's how we will be pursuing hedges down the road. All right. Watch for a big economic slowdown. And if that doesn't happen, the future might look bright in the cattle complex. Folks, that's Dennis Smith of Archer Financial Services. And tune in tomorrow. We'll talk cattle market again with our friends from NCBA. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Fueled by innovation, powered to perform. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from across the cooperative system. From global market access to local expertise, we'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Pride. It runs deep for those in agriculture. But that pride can also prevent farmers from asking for help when it's needed most. An injury, illness, or natural disaster is a heavy burden for any operation to bear. Farm Rescue is here to help shoulder that burden. We are a nonprofit organization helping farm families in crisis with free planting, haying, and harvesting assistance. There is no pride lost when it comes to Farm Rescue. Learn more at farmrescue.org. Nothing offers an opportunity to bond and give thanks quite like breaking bread together. This is especially true as we welcome our troops back home and keep those who are still stationed overseas in our hearts. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Since 2011, the Gary Sinise Foundation's Serving Heroes program has shown gratitude to our nation's defenders and their families by serving up nearly 500,000 hearty classic American meals at travel hubs and military locations. And now, together with our friends at Bob Evans Farms and their Our Farm Salutes program, we will help to provide even more meals nationwide, offering our defenders a taste of home and a feeling of togetherness around the table. Help us show America's gratitude through food and fellowship. Look for the Bob Evans Our Farm Salutes purple packaging at your grocery store and visit ourfarmsalutes.com to learn more. While we can never do enough to support the men and women who serve together, we can make a difference, bite by bite.